This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply the raiders is a team that we don't care for Something, something, Bravo. With Lori Lattimore, Jess Place, and Tim Lynch. Yes, my master. Get involved in the conversation at milehighreport.com. Incomplete. Hello, everybody. This is Something Something Broncos. I am Jess Place, joined by Lori Lattimore-Volkman and Tim Lynch. This week, we have special guests Nathan Cooper and John Todd of Sports Info Solutions, SIS. They have the ultimate handbook. Over 300 college football players likely to be drafted or signed as college free agents. You can get this massive handbook on ActaSports, A-C-T-A, sports.com. Also get uh, Kindle versions off of Amazon. Also, maybe a paperback, Tim? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So did I cover everything? Sportsinfosolutions.com? Did I, did I mention that? Yeah, sportsinfosolutions.com. Okay. So I'm going to turn this over now to Tim. I think we're going to talk a little bit about quarterbacks. I'm going to only talk about quarterbacks, actually. Um, <laughs> that is the highest position on my list. I love the Broncos roster. I just don't like the quarterback situation. But what stuck out to me most from from your handbook, Justin Fields is your number two ranked quarterback ahead of Zach Wilson. The consensus number two guy on most places is Zach Wilson. And with Justin Fields being tied to the Broncos, it's kind of exciting to see that there's at least one entity out there that that sees Fields as the the better prospect. Kind of talk about that. And give us an idea of what your methodology there was and, and what, what sets Fields just a little bit apart from from Zach Wilson on that. 
Yeah, so one of the, the beauties of our football rookie handbook that we put out is that we uh, every year there's our third annual book that we put out. We put it out typically before the combine every year. Uh, that's the plan. Obviously, there was no combine this season, but the book still came out mid-February or so. And as our director of, of football research and development, Matt Manicharian, always tells us, being a former NFL scout himself with the Saints and Browns, he always likes to say that the, the draft board looks as good as it's going to look at the end of the season when only you're considering the the film of the player. Um, once you get into the the whole postseason uh, pre-draft all-star games and the combine and all that stuff, and you get the the talk of going back and forth and all the discussions and pro days and people look good in shorts and everything. That's when things um, get muddled up and don't look as clear. So yeah, strictly off of the film, we put it to Matt. We actually have Justin Fields and Zach Wilson with the same grade uh, as tied for second with our quarterback rankings. And we put it to Matt to, to leave it up to him, which one he'd like being the number two quarterback and being the one who did Justin Fields. He's a huge Justin Fields fan. So he, he made the push to put him at number two back when maybe it wasn't as crazy. Now it's certainly seeming like Zach Wilson will go number two, but we, we really like Justin Fields. These grades are based on the second year of their pro careers, and uh, we're, we're very high on Justin Fields as a borderline Pro Bowl, all-pro, perennial type player. Great overall athlete. think he'd be a really good fit in the Broncos game for sure. Well, we're big fans of him as the number two as well. We just hope that all the teams out there aren't looking at that. The Broncos are able to get him. Trevor Lawrence is number one. Zach Wilson's number two. The big question mark is the 49ers, and I still think – they're hot for uh, Mac Jones. There's some some muddied pictures there with who the 49ers might take. I'm really hoping they go Mac Jones because the, the two guys that I like are Justin Fields and Trey Lance. Can you tell us a little bit about Trey Lance and what does he look like as a prospect? And is he worth you know a top 10 look for, for a team like the Broncos? Yeah, I actually uh, wrote Trey Lance's report, so I have a pretty good idea about him. Uh, I watched nine games on him from his time in college. Trey Lance is a very interesting and intriguing prospect. He has a lot of question marks. Um, and then there's a lot of things that you really like with him. He's a guy that only started 17 games uh, during his career. And, and that being an FCS school, completion percentage, the on-target rate, it, it was good, but it wasn't great. But you look at the athleticism, the athleticism's there. He runs really well. He works the pocket, extends plays, uh, has a strong arm, makes all the throws. He's one of those guys that he is a little frustrating to watch because he'll make a couple ridiculous plays. And then all of a sudden, he'll airmail a you know an easy out route or something like that. So he definitely is a guy that I think you know you sit him behind a guy for a year or two. I think he's somebody that can really develop into something at the next level. I would be a little worried if you're drafting him to throw him out there right away. I think he has a lot that he needs to to work on and develop. But you put him in a system where you have a solid run game, you can work on the play action uh, and and get to the passing game like that. I think he's somebody that here in a couple of years could really be a good quarterback. Okay. So that brings up an interesting point because, in fact, I, I was listening to James Palmer of NFL Network talk about this, that a lot of teams were telling him Trey Lance, as you just mentioned, is not the kind of player to come in this year. He needs to sit and learn. And his point was, and the Broncos aren't a good fit because who is he going to sit and learn from? In your estimation, knowing what you know about the Broncos situation and having looked at Trey Lance, would you agree that's not really the guy for the Broncos to get? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if it comes down to Fields or Lance, I, I obviously we would go Fields. We have him ranked higher. We think he's the better overall prospect. I do think that if the Broncos did decide to take Lance, you know, Locke has been there for a couple of years. Obviously, he is still learning. There may be a couple of veterans or or anything in the in the locker room, but you have to realize that in an NFL locker room, you know, the quarterback position obviously is you know the, the almighty position there. But having guys that have been in the locker room for a couple of years. 
you know, no matter if they're a good player or not, you look at, you know, the Ryan Fitzpatrick's or the Josh McCowns, maybe they weren't very great, but they know how, you know, the locker room should be. They know how to do things on the field and those types of players, uh, you know, you can learn a lot from uh, regardless of how well they actually are on the field. So do I agree, you know, Lance may not be the best fit because he needs to come in and learn for a little bit behind an ideal quarterback. And I, I do agree with that, but in the other sense, you know, I think if you are taking Lance, um, you know, there's a lot that you can work with. Uh, and I think there's enough there that you can kind of sit him behind and let him learn a little bit for a couple of years. So if we take him and we have somehow dealt Drew Locke, have, let's say, you know, Nick Foles or Andy McCarron, we, we can work with that. We, we shouldn't be, as Broncos fans, jumping off the cliff yet. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Ideally, a lot of these guys would be sitting for some time. Um, but not everybody gets the, the Jordan Love situation of getting stuck behind Aaron Rodgers and the perfect grooming situation and, and just passing that along every year. So, well, yeah, Lance is definitely a guy that we'd like to sit a little bit. Um, in all likelihood, if he's going to get taken in the top 10, he's going to be put in a situation where he's going to at least be pushing for playing time early. And you just got to get his feet wet and, and kind of ride with it. Regularly, we're told you can't say you're getting the fourth best quarterback if the Broncos get the fourth quarterback off the board. I am concerned because I'm nervous about taking a quarterback in this draft, especially the fourth quarterback, uh, because I, I look at I look at past drafts like like 2011 and 2018. You look at the first four quarterbacks off the off the board in 2011: Cam Newton, Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbard. At number four, you got Christian Ponder. In 2018, uh, it looks like Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and then the fourth quarterback off the board is uh, Josh Rosen. Is this draft uh, going to be similar to those draft classes? Like where, you know, you look at the fourth quarterback taken and you're like, holy God, like run. It's interesting because it's one of those things where it might not be the fourth quarterback syndrome. Just by the numbers, two of these five guys at least are not going to pan out. In every year's draft, it seems like you have at least two or three quarterbacks that are easily first rounders or top into the first round and you get a first overall pick and, a, and a, another top 10. This year, we're going to end up with maybe five guys in the top 10 just by the law of, of the odds of how things have worked in the NFL over the past 20 years and, and even beyond. Uh, multiple of these guys are not going to work out while everybody's pumping them up now and, and trying to pick them apart here and there, but they're going to end up top 10 picks. The NFL is going to think that these guys are all top 10 picks and, uh, and something's not going to go their way. Getting taken to the wrong system, extenuating circumstances, they look great as prospects, but something's not going to go that way. It's going to be very unlikely that all five guys pan out. Quarterback evaluations are very difficult. To some degree, you just got to kind of keep throwing darts at the board and, and hope something sticks. Okay, so which one is the dud? Which one is the dud in this, in this draft? As we have them ranked, we have Trevor Lawrence as the clear number one. We have Zach Wilson and Justin Fields as the clear number two and three. And then we have paired together Mac Jones and, and Trey Lance as the fourth and fifth behind that. Obviously, Trey Lance and, and Mac Jones are very different players, but we have them graded um, at a similar level of just behind, just behind that solid starting quarterback where we have Justin Fields and, and Zach Wilson as the high end of kind of that, that starting level grade of a 6'9". Trey Lance and, and Mac Jones are in the 6'6 level, which is just below that, which again, these are quarterbacks that we think you can win with. Maybe they aren't guys that we think you can win because of. We would say that Trey Lance is probably the guy who has more of the, the high ceiling, low floor. He has more of the ability to win because of, whereas Mac Jones might be a guy that, that needs some more structure around him, but uh, a bit more of the game manager type that can, a guy you can win with. So, Are you buying the, uh, the Mac Jones to the 49ers? Or do you think there's reason to be a suspect on that? Matt and I have had a fun back and forth. Matt's report on Justin Fields even had a note that he was a great fit for a Shanahan-style system. 
certainly right when the trade happened, thought that that had to be it. Obviously, he has he's his number two quarterback. He's our number two quarterback, and it just made all the sense in the world to get a mobile athlete like that, great on the move, um, guy that can play off script like that. It just made all the sense in the world to to all of us, I think. And then you start hearing more about Mac Jones. When I was finalizing Mac Jones's report, I mentioned that I had pictured him in a Shanahan style system as like his new Kirk Cousins. This was back when they were picking twelfth again. Well, you have this idea that that Kyle Shanahan likes these mobile quarterbacks, get them on the move and everything. You look at his history and, and Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo, these guys that are play action quarterbacks that can take some deep shots, but that are going to keep the chains moving in that that zone based running style that is going to be the anchor of their offense. And you just need somebody that that can work within that structure and and operate the RPO game and and hand the ball off and and just control command that offense that he's looking for. Kyle Shanahan's to some degree earned the benefit of the doubt, and uh, it'll be really interesting to see what his style of quarterback now that he's sitting at number three and can have his pick of one of these mobile guys like Trey Lance or Justin Fields or the complete opposite of a, a Mac Jones kind of game manager type, more of the Kirk Cousins mold. What is he really looking for in a quarterback? It makes you wonder if maybe people are getting the Shanny style system mixed up between father and son you know we know mike shanahan very well and he loved the bootleg style rollout you mentioned kyle shanahan where he come up came up in the nfl with a lot less mobile quarterbacks more of the like you said game managers um matt ryan kirk cousins uh jimmy garoppolo um it's maybe we're getting some wires crossed between the two between the father and son um systems they're similar but they're also when it comes to quarterback, it sounds like they're maybe a little bit different in terms of what they're looking for out of their quarterback. Hoping you're right, and it's Mac Jones, because I'm angling all in on on Justin Fields, and I'm really hoping George Payton you know, moves up in the draft and, and secures um, a guy like Justin Fields. I'm glad you brought up that part of the Justin Fields report, because it stood out to me too. And I know when you wrote this, there wasn't a whole lot of thought where the Broncos might be able to get or would even be interested in one of the rookie quarterbacks. But I'm curious if you had a kind of a landing spot for Mac Jones or at least, you know, predicted the kind of team he'd be good to play for. Yeah, with Mac Jones, where the original draft order was, uh, you look at the Niners at 12, you look at maybe the Patriots in the middle of, of the first round there. Those were probably two of the more likely options. That was when Mac Jones wasn't talked about as the number three overall guy. We were talking, you know, Lawrence, Fields, Wilson, uh, Lance, you know, potentially in the top four picks. Uh, So now you have the Niners jump up to three. Uh, You know, maybe they know something that we don't know uh, in in terms of Mac Jones there. And and he was just a guy that maybe they wanted him all along. They just wanted, uh, you know, jump up to number three and make sure they get him. That's the one thing with quarterbacks. Like, you almost have to to do what you have to do in order to get one of the guys that you like. You're going to fall in love with one of these guys. If you don't think you can get him at 12, you have to move up. The more you think about it, it really could be just because, you know, at the quarterback position, and once you fall in love with a guy, you really need to do what you can to go get him. And, and I think that's maybe what they did. That's like the perfect segue into the worst case scenario for the Broncos, for my mind, which is <laughs> they decide to hold firm and not move up and every quarterback goes off the board and they're left with the ninth pick if the worst happens and they don't get a quarterback it's more than likely going to be something like a a defensive player which guys in the first round might be a really good Vic Fangio style defender um, that would be worth looking at 
either with the ninth pick or if they do trade back somewhere in the middle. Good Vic Fangio defender. A few different ways that you can go there. Um, obviously, you, you could go offensive line, but most likely it's going to be defense. So you're probably thinking either cornerback or, or linebacker. Defensive options there would be Patrick Sertan's our number one cornerback, and J.C. Horn's right behind him. Obviously, Caleb Farley's very good, too. He's got the back issue, so possibly taking him out of consideration there. Patrick Sertan would be a great fit, kind of a hybrid scheme. Obviously, the Broncos didn't run as, as much zone in last year, but Sertan's scheme versatile, very intelligent guy, obviously has the pedigree from his dad, showed every kind of trait that you're looking for um, in a press cornerback, physical guy long we think he's going to be an elite guy at the next level so you could have your pick of the of the secondary guys there and take him first jay horn's obviously a guy who tested phenomenally at his pro day very physical guy really like his tenacity he kind of has that mentality that um the broncos seem to to be building around on their defense and he's a guy that's been rising up boards especially with caleb farley's injury it wouldn't be crazy to take him at nine you'd obviously like to maybe move back into the the mid-teens there and, and possibly still take him if he's there but you've got some teams right behind you that cowboys and some of the nfc east teams that could be looking at cornerback as well so and then linebacker is obviously Micah Parsons. Everybody talks about him. We don't have him rated as highly as some others do. Got some concerns about his kind of zone awareness and coverage. Obviously, he's a phenomenal athlete. Right now, he's more of a downhill athlete, um, run and chase player, really good blitzer. But um, moving backwards, while he has the the mobility to do so, he's not fully the instincts right there are, aren't there in, in pass coverage right now. So that's something he's going to need to keep working on and developing. And Jeremiah Usukoromoa is actually our number one will linebacker um, who would have that coverage ability. And he's almost a, a borderline slot cornerback or a nickel safety with how much he played in the slot and uh, his natural coverage instincts against slot receivers. And not as much your box linebacker, but even at his lighter weight, he packs a punch. He's got the natural coverage skills and he's kind of what you're looking for in the modern NFL. Okay, which one's going to be better at getting Travis Kelsey? And... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah, no, Wusi Kormo would be a, a good matchup there, certainly just to have that guy where you're not going to have to really change personnels a lot, where you can just stay in, in your, you're not going to have to sub guys out and bring in a secondary guy, or maybe you bring in a, a linebacker who's not as fast as Kelsey, or a secondary guy who's not as big as Kelsey. Kormo is definitely not the biggest guy, but he has at least some of that linebacker uh, size, especially if you can bulk up a little bit that obviously Parsons, if he can kind of develop those instincts, would be a great fit as well. And then if you just go the, the cornerback route, then that just shuffles everything around at the back end, and you can kind of play matchups in your secondary. You can never have too many cornerbacks. You can never have too many cover guys. Yeah, we learned that lesson last year when the Broncos went through like <laughs> 15 corners. <laughs> Given that it's supposedly a, a pretty deep class in the cornerbacks, if the Broncos go defense, say we're not getting the quarterback, and they're going defense in the first round, does it make more sense to get one of those linebackers and and get a cornerback in the second round like in terms of value are we probably getting more for our defensive buck there or should you know if Sertan is there do we grab him and just hope that we can get another good one in the second round I actually think corner and linebacker are pretty similar um if you kind of look through it's probably based on our grades it's probably a little better at corner um so if you wanted to go corner in the first round and then go linebacker in the second round um, you know, that's probably fine. If you wanted to flip it, I think that's fine too. Um, you have guys, you know, if you did want to fall into the second round at corner, you're looking at guys, maybe Asante Samuel is there. Uh, we have a Rodarius Williams, um, you know, probably rated a little bit higher than a lot of other people do. Um, Afitu Milifanwu from Syracuse is a guy that I think fits really well into the Broncos system. Big corner. He's going to be able to tackle, um, good reactive athleticism, things like that. 
so there are those corners that you can get in the second round. And then even if you go linebacker as well, if you wanted to take corner in the first round and then move to linebacker in the second round, um, there's guys still like Jabril Cox uh, at LSU. Very good coverage ability. He probably rivals, um, you know, Ubusu Kormoa in, you know, maybe the best coverage ability in the class, actually. His coverage skills are ridiculous, but he can also rush the passer. He can, you know, do good uh, things in the run game as well. Uh, and then uh, Jameen Davis from uh, Kentucky. Those two guys were, you know, Davis had a ridiculous pro day. Uh, and there's there's a lot of talk that maybe he even can uh, get up into that first round as well. But kind of saw him more as that second round guy. But, you know, I think it doesn't matter either way you go. If you want corner and linebacker, um, maybe you want to go for one of those high-end corners uh, and kind of get one of these linebackers in the second round. But if you wanted to take, like, the top linebacker and then get a corner in the second round, uh, you know, I think you can do that as well because there is enough talent at both of those positions, I think, in the first two rounds that it kind of doesn't matter uh, which way you want to go. If you want both of those, I think you can get, you know, solid players at each of them. How deep into the rounds do you think we can go with cornerback and linebacker, particularly corner? Because as Tim mentioned, we learned last year, we ended up with 10 different corners throughout the season. So we were digging deep. Yeah, I think so. I think the first three rounds, you're you're fine with corner. You're getting guys that at least can be, you know, number three corners by year two. Um, you know, once you get into to day three of the draft, you're getting guys that are probably more likely backups. Um, you know, good depth players. Maybe it won't hurt to get a guy in the first couple of days and then get another one um, as a depth piece as well. Um, but if you're really looking for guys to, to make a difference and, and be one of your top three corners, you're probably looking at the first two days of the draft. We grade everything on role-based grading, which can be difficult from our end where we don't have the role that we're projecting to or the scheme necessarily. So we grade everybody based on if you run this scheme, he's going to be this grade. You might have a guy graded the same way, um, but they fit a completely different scheme. So we have 21 players, 21 cornerbacks rated as number three cornerbacks or better. That doesn't mean that the Broncos will have 21 cornerbacks rated that way because not all of them, certainly not all of them will fit their scheme of what they're looking for. You know, we have Von Miller, uh, one of one of the all-time greatest Broncos. I've loved Von Miller. He's right there behind Elway and TD and Steve Atwater as my my favorite players of all time. I, as a fan, I'm worried this is his final year. From the edge rusher position, feels like it's a little thin. Would it be better for them to look long and hard at a first-round edge rusher given? With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The future need there, if the situation you know, comes up where that's, there's no quarterbacks, there's, you know, they trade back or something. Is there anybody that could potentially fill a void left by a guy like Von Miller? I still think Von is one of the top five edge rushers in the league, even at 31. I see a huge hole coming. I don't know if I'm rambling, but 
I'm just trying to find out if there's anybody worth drafting in the first round for Denver at the edge rusher position. Maybe not at number nine. I think that might be where the kind of the edge rusher class is is being talked about as not being as one of the, the better ones in past years because we've gotten so used to the first pick being a quarterback and the second pick being an edge rusher every year. That's the first player off the defer, first defensive player or first non-quarterback off the board has been an edge rusher for so many years. We still think it's a good class. Seven edge rushers that are rated at that six, seven level or above. This is by their second year. So we've, we've fully admitted that a lot of these players that we have rated at that level will fulfill that grade by their second year. It's going to take them a year. So you're totally right. You're always trying to, to fill uh, voids and fill holes a year before you need them especially as we're talking about, I mean, it's not just quarterbacks that benefit from sitting behind a, a veteran. Um, you could certainly draft a, an edge rusher this year and have him sit behind Devon Miller and learn the tools of the trade there and give the team that flexibility moving forward to if you want to bring Von Miller back, then you can. If you don't want to bring him back, maybe he's he's helped groom this younger guy who's now in his second year and ready to fully blossom and take over that role. So that could definitely be a value play there to take one of those premier edge rushers that some teams are viewing and, and they might be sliding because they aren't going to be ready-made guys that we've seen so so in vogue the past few years that are coming in and winning defensive rookie of the year. But when you have a team like the Broncos who have been churning out edge rushers and, and done a really good job of developing them there, knowing that you might have a void at that spot a year down the road, it could definitely be a savvy pickup to, to take one of those premier guys that might fall to that top end of the second round. Like, who are a couple of those guys that you think are the best of the edge class? <laughs> Zizo Jolari is one guy that I'm really high on. Uh, he's actually our number two edge, and he I think he fits the, the Broncos system really well. I could see him being in that middle of the first round range. You know, if they did have the opportunity to trade back in, in that those teens, um, I think he is a guy to definitely consider. His first step is, is ridiculous. It, his get off, he, he gets into the tackles really quick, and his hand use is, is insane. His hand use is Probably one of the best that I've seen in a long time. He's always able uh, to knock away the tackles, hands, their arms, um, very accurate with it, really good bend and pass rush ability. And he's not just a guy that is only a pass rusher too. So he's a guy that can play on all three downs. He can set the edge. He can play in that run game as well. Um, and, and he's a guy that, uh, you know, at Georgia was was dominant. And, you know, I think in, at the next level, he would be a good guy. Um, to kind of fill the void of, of a Von Miller and to, you know, learn behind Von Miller for a year. But, you know, I think you look three, four, five years down the road, he's going to be a guy that's really productive, uh, you know, not just in the in the pass game, but also the run game and kind of doing everything on all three downs. Like that, the, the yeah. first step is an underrated um, skill set for an edge rusher, just like uh, mental processing for a quarterback, how quickly they can decide where to go football. Um, you know, th those are the, each position seems to have, that one thing that really helps you in the NFL at the NFL level. One of the first things that we try and grade, I know at the edge position, every position we have three critical factors, all positional factors behind that. Uh, and that's obviously, you know, number one when it comes to the edge position. So it's always good to see. And that's, that's usually one of the things that I want to notice right off of, off the film is how quick is he getting out of his stance? Uh, how much length is he really getting with his first step? Uh, and is he really getting into the tackle and, and making it hard for him literally right off the ball? Are both of you football fans of an NFL team? I grew up a, a Washington football team fan. Uh, <laughs> I, I worked for him in the operations department and grew up in the D.C. area. And are you still a fan? You say that like I yes. was. No, definitely not. Well, the, the former, formerly known as the Redskins, yeah. No, the right. Washington football team, patiently awaiting the new name. Definitely a, a fan of the direction that they're headed under Ron Rivera. Do you have a hope for who they draft in the first round? 
I'm hoping one of those linebackers that the Broncos doesn't don't uh, don't sweep them up. Maybe some of these quarterbacks <laughs> fall gets a little slide going of JOK. Uh, maybe one of those guys. Um, something along those lines. Maybe one of these offensive linemen as well. So it's been a fun direction. Obviously, things have been pretty bad for a while, and you finally have a little bit of hope with the culture change and everything. So it's been nice <laughs> to actually have some some winning football and some changes going on off the field that you can kind of support. So Nate, what about you? The way you were talking about Washington, I don't know if I want to give my team. Uh, I'm actually a Lions fan. So I actually grew up in Missouri, um, but then became a Lions fan. I didn't really have a team, and I just kind of wanted to wanted to go with uh, whoever had the best draft. So I can tell you, you know, I'm a big draft fan. And this was back in the day of they drafted Kevin Jones and Roy Williams in the first round. And I was like, yep, that's a pretty good draft, so I'll go with them. So it's been a rough, uh, a rough 15 or 16 years since then. So. <laughs> Potential Broncos trade spot at number seven there. Yeah, that's very true. Hopefully. Can you pull some strings for us? See what I can do. My last question then is, if you were the Broncos GM, what would you do in the first round? What do you think the Broncos should do to turn their team around? It's tough. Um, I do think that if, uh, if, especially if you have two quarterbacks, get to that number seven spot. Um, obviously, you need to get through the the number four spot or somebody. Obviously, you're hoping to not have to trade up to number four. That's going to start getting a little too expensive there. But if you can get through that, um, you've got five and six of some teams that are definitely not going to take quarterbacks or at least seem entrenched in, in being there to take some other positions. And then you get to the Lions, who really seem like they're looking to, to move down. Um, with the Panthers who are potentially looking to quarterback as well. And some of these teams in the, in the early teens that might be looking to move up, um, that would seem like the money spot for the Broncos to make a small jump up. You're not having to give up a future first round or anything crazy like that. Um, and maybe take one of these quarterbacks that might slide a little bit, especially if it is Mac Jones that goes number three and you have one of these two quarterbacks that has more upside to us than Mac Jones does. Um, that could really be a coup to really not have to give up a ton, move up just a tiny bit, and uh, and secure that quarterback for the future. Yeah, I think it's it's hard to go away from the quarterback position. If you really think it needs to be an upgrade, uh, you know whether you are going to move on from Drew Locke in a year or two and you want to get a guy uh, now, you kind of have to look at, at the drafts coming up as well. Um, this draft, I would say, is probably the, one of the richest you know at the top end. Um, you look at next year, maybe there's a, a Spencer Rattler or a Sam Howell or someone like that. But I don't see four or five guys that could potentially go in the first 10 picks. Um, so if that's really the position you want to go, I think this year's probably the year to do it. Um, and if you're in the right position, go ahead and do it. But again, if all of them decide to go, you stick at nine. All of them go before that. Um, I, I think there's a lot of talent in this draft. You know, First round, second round, there's going to be a lot of talent that falls into the second and third round. Uh, this year, I think there's a lot that you can get, whether it's the cornerback position, the edge position, linebacker, any of those positions that we talked about um, and, and get someone like that, you know, at, at nine or even a trade back uh, at the middle of the first round. So it, ideally, you know, you want that quarterback uh, if one of those guys are there or if it's not too expensive to move up. But, you know, if one of that, uh, those guys you know doesn't fall or if that doesn't happen, I think that you can do a lot of good stuff and, and really still win the draft uh, at, at the other positions. All right, so we're all in agreement. The Broncos need a new quarterback. <laughs> right, Jess? We could get the next Christian Ponder. <laughs> so tell us about your draft day setup. Like, what is it? So you, it is go time. It is draft day. How many TVs do you have? ESPN, NFL Network. What are you guys doing? 
that's always the big question every year, which one you're going to go to. It does seem like they're starting to do a bit more crossover stuff. No, I think Nate and I are both in the same boat of um, loading up with the laptops and the iPads and laying everything out and refreshing every five seconds. And But then you're also trying to be aware of guys spoiling picks. I'm not a, I hate the, the spoiling picks stuff and everything. So I like the, the excitement of the commissioner. I call. agree. That's stupid. Nate and I were both <laughs> at, a, at a draft party a couple of years ago. And, uh, and we enjoyed it, but I think we're both much more comfortable with just sitting with our laptops with nobody bothering us and, and just scrolling and texting each other. Well, it's so. Christmas for you guys, of course. I, I totally get it. Is there a snack? Is there like a, a must-have <laughs> snack for for draft day? Not for me. No, whatever, no? Whatever's around, whatever I can easily get to and hurry up and get back to the couch. So. What do you guys think of the virtual draft last year? From a, a broadcast perspective, I thought it, it went off really well. That was kind of obviously the first sporting event that went off uh, post-COVID. So I thought I thought they handled it very well, especially from all the protocols and everybody remotely. And it sounds like they're, a lot of teams are going to do a similar setup this year, even though they, they might not have to. So it's interesting. Last year, everybody was so concerned about what's that draft going to look like. But as I think we all know that the, the draft at that point, the, the whole process of evaluating players was 95, 90 eight percent complete by that point when everything had shut down you missed half of the pro days or two-thirds of the pro days or whatever but um you had all the film you had the scouts were on the road all season you had the post-season all-star games and everything that that all went off without a hitch until the pro days and then you just kind of you're scrambling but you had all your information i think this year's draft is going to be the more unknown because scouts were not on the road all season they weren't allowed to be they haven't had the chance to meet these players in face to face yeah the the senior bowl was kind of the one opportunity to meet some players face to face but it's been through zoom um it's just been a, the whole process this year even though we've they've been able to handle it has been much different from last year when the majority of it was normal so i think this is going to be the year where um the maybe the the consensus idea of of online of of what the media is saying and what people online are saying is going to happen to what actually happens is going to be much more different than we've expected in the past I liked last year's yeah, I, draft. I mean, it's like Roger Goodell kept getting more and more casual, like as the night went on. Like I was expecting with like the, the very last pick for him to come out like in a bathrobe and like and like shoo the camera crews away. I was at the the first day of the draft when it was in Nashville two years ago. You know, when you mentioned spoiling picks, when you're at the draft, you can't. It's so loud and crazy, and you you can't really even if you have like a phone or something to keep up with what's going on on the networks. You really can't pay attention. So the Broncos ended up trading down that year. We didn't know until literally probably 10 seconds because you're, you know, they come over to you with the cameras and they're like, all right, everybody cheer because your guys are next. And so they come over with the cameras and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, no, no, got to go to the Steelers or whoever we traded with. And that's when we learned that we had traded down. Whereas I imagine on the broadcast, you knew probably two round, you know, two picks before that, that that had happened. So, uh, yeah, that's actually something I was going to bring up. Cause I, I went to all three rounds, uh, or all three days in when it came to Philly a few years ago. Uh, yeah. um, and as much as I love the draft and as much as it was an awesome experience actually being there, it's so hard because like you said, it's so hard to keep up with everything. And I want to be there with my papers, with my laptop and everything. And I can't, and I'm just, you know, sitting waiting between picks and, <laughs> It's an awesome experience for one time, but yeah, for for the rest of my life, I just want to sit in front of the TV and and hang out for three days. Right. Did you guys boo the commissioner? Part of I have to. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Whether you want, Lori, to or did not, you boo the? Uh... 
Did you? Yeah, I think it's funny because he kind of he eggs it on. I think he comes out there and like. I mean, he he jokes Give about it. it. He, yeah. yeah. Well, he's emotionally walled himself off from the from the 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 pain of it. I think so. <laughs> that's it. That's his coping mechanism. So, all right. So, seriously though, guys, who are we getting? <laughs> <laughs> Cut the crap. Who are we getting? Just, just let just just. It's okay. We'll put this in at the end when no one's listening. Best case, let's go Justin Fields. Yes. That's the okay. yeah. That's the nice answer. I think more likely might be top linebacker, top cornerback, something like that. Maybe we would love to have you guys back to tell us how terrible we drafted uh, <laughs> on the day. Whether so it's if, first if, or thirty-second, we'll, we'll let you know. You know, in the past when you've done this before, do you have like a a success story, something you guys were keyed in on that others weren't, or teams weren't? The Bills getting Josh Allen. Were you were you pretty high on Josh Allen, or were you also like everyone else who thought he might be a, a big bust? That was the year before uh, we p- first put out the the football rookie handbook, but we kind of did our own thing, and we did have him as the number one uh, quarterback. The biggest success story in the three years of SIS uh, football rookie handbook, I would say, is probably Nick Needham. Um, it's a big big Nick Needham. Uh, you know, following in the in the office, uh, we had him ranked as a six point eight as like our number four corner. The nickel cornerback for the Dolphins now, but he was yeah. completely unknown at the time. Um, and we got the report in on him; it was really high. We're like, all right, I don't know if this is this is right. We were getting getting reports in, and then finally we did a cross check, and also came back really high. So me and John just decided to watch him at like midnight one night. <laughs> and we're like, all right, this guy's this guy's pretty good. So we've had him as number four. Didn't get drafted. Goes to the to the Dolphins on on the practice squad. Was terrible in the preseason. Then actually had to come up to the Dolphins like halfway through the season and has been like their nickel guy since. So I'd say that nice. that's probably the one big time success story. Not that he's a, a big time player. We probably graded him way too high. We still graded fact- him too high, but we we think it leveled out enough where we took yeah. a shot on a guy shoot for the stars, he reached the clouds, that kind of thing. Before we wrap up, uh, last year we drafted Michael Ojemudia and Albert uh, Okawibanam. There's a few of these gentlemen that have very difficult to uh, spell names. And so you'd mentioned a, a couple players, a cornerback and a line bla- linebacker. And I wanted to see if without looking, you could spell their names. All right, I'm going to give you a name. Are you ready? <laughs> Jess can't even pronounce it probably. So you're going to have to guess <laughs> Okay, Jeremiah Owusu Kamora. O W U S U dash K O R O M O A H. Very good. Okay, all right. That was very good. I'm. I'm. I'm you weren't cheating, were you? J O K. No, you I was no. J O K. Just go with J O K. I don't know if I can even pronounce this, but um, but you did mention him earlier. So so Nathan, you have Efitu Melifonwu. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Melifon, who I think is M E L I F O N W U. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, and then right. for bonus credit, uh, first name, because it's, it's so unique. Uh, I F E A T U. These guys know their well, stuff. You guys, guys are way this, better this is, at this game than I was last year. <laughs> this <laughs> is, these are the guys schools, from Sports Information Network, Sports Info Network. Uh, Nathan Cooper, John Todd, uh, you can find them at Sports Info Solutions. You can get their handbook that has uh, over 300 college football players likely to be drafted or signed as college free agents off of the site Acta Sports, A-C-T-A sports.com. They collect, analyze, and disseminate sports stats and analytics 
And they're awesome. They know their stuff. Uh, where can we find you? Uh, you're on the Twitters, right? Yeah, I'm actually at NCOOP Draft, uh, N-C-O-O-P Draft uh, on Twitter. So I do a little bit more tweeting than John does. But. <laughs> yeah, you can follow sportsinfo underscore S-I-S for, uh, for our Twitter page. Uh, we have a football page and a baseball page as well. Um, and then for anybody interested in, uh, in our company further, you can go to sportsinfosolutions.com and go to our careers page. Uh, just this week, we've started doing interviews for our fall video scout position. Uh, if you're interested, we'll uh, we'll be happy to consider you. If they can spell the names, they have clearly done their research. That was really good. It it was far more informative than our usual podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you having us. Usually, it's Thank just me making us. fart noises and um, oh. embarrassing Lori. So I, we really appreciate you raising the uh, tenor of our of our podcast. A correction on the reporting of the foul. Both teams were on the both up. Both fouls were on the kicking team. I didn't embarrass you or myself, did I? Nope. Okay. Good. So. Okay. As, as Jess here, you know, inside joke, but he would love to talk about the naked bootleg. That's one of his favorite plays. Oh, I have a question because Jess cut this off way too early. So are both of you? <laughs> you would not believe how good Lori is at editing this thing. So she's just going to drop that, yeah, that end right on here. The, you know. You've been listening to Something Something Broncos, a feature of MileHighReport.com with Lori Lattimore Volk, Jess Place, and Tim Lynch. Get involved in the conversation at MileHighReport.com.